stuff. All the other underlying stuff didn't really matter to me. No good father. No good husband. Unreliable friend. Missing son. Don't care about nobody brother. None of that meant anything. But then when I became, when I came under the banner of Christ, he gave me a new heart and a new purpose. I can't be looking back at who I used to be because if I look back at who I used to be, I see those things start to surface again. Anybody else go through that in here? Say amen. Right? When you look back and you say, oh man, I used to love to fight. I'm telling you, I used to win a lot. So I used to love to fight, right? And so I'd be looking for a reason to fight. I was coming to church for five years before I stopped fighting. I mean, physically, you know, looking for somebody to beat up. I'm not talking about good arguments, all right? Other people use that. No, I'm talking about physical battles. And so that was my thing. That was what I thought that I was. And even when I came into the church body, everything that I used to do had to do with showing people how strong I was. Yeah, I did move big commercial refrigerators by myself at one time. Yes, I used to do those things because I felt like that was my strength. And then gradually God has reconditioned my thought process to understand that it's never been about me and it's always been about him. And we need to understand to be able to live a Christian life, to be able to live in a, in a kingdom minded thinking, then we have to understand that it's never been about us. It will never be about us. It always has to be about him. And so when we put our hand to the plow and when we go this way, we look forward to who it is that he's going to make us not back in who we were. How amazing is our God to take that away? Think our youngest kid is what, 23? 23 years I ain't had to look back. And it's not me. It's him. When I, now some of us, I got to put this out there. We never grabbed a plow. We just standing there looking at it. Oh man, what am I going to have to give up? Can I go to Luke chapter 57, um, chapter 9, verse 57 through 61? As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have den, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus replied, Lord, uh, But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But um, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Ouch. (laughs) It is difficult to say goodbye to some things. That God tells you to clean up. So you shy away from that plow. You shy away from, wait a minute. You're telling me I can't speak to my mama? No, I'm not telling you you can't speak to your mama. I'm saying in order for you to be accepted for who you are and the way that you live, then you have to keep that standard at all times, even for a mama, even for a brother, even for a sister, even for a child, even for a wife even for a husband, even for an employer. 
every aspect of your life, you have to remain who you are in Christ. Once you put your hand onto that pile, you that plow, you have signed a contract with God that, Lord, however it is that you lead this mule, I'm going to keep straight along this line, and I'm going to accept the things that comes on uh, along the way, and I am going to trust you to remove any roadblocks that are in the way to keep me from reaching that destination that you have laid out for me from before I was even formed in my mother's womb. You had a plan. Now I'm on track to get to it. And it's hard. Don't think I don't understand that it's hard. The only one time my wife ever hurt my feelings was when she said, when I was in rehab, I told God, you're going to have to show me right now if this man is supposed to be with me or not. You're going to trust God before you trust me? See, I didn't understand that at that time. She still trusts God before she trusts me, and I'm glad. <laughs> right? I trust God before I trust her, and she is the most important person on this earth for me. And here's the thing, people. It's okay to feel that way, but don't let your actions dictate it. Don't go falling back. You know your brother come in town. You ain't seen him for 12 years. Come on, let's go to this old bar that we used to go to. I got a cousin in California that's writing a book now. He's calling me, trying to get me back to the old days of the things that we used to do. I don't even remember half the stuff that he's talking about because I'm not that person anymore. I am a person that's moving forward. He said, well, Earl, I want to come back to Toledo. I want to go to those old places. I want to do some of those things. I'm like, dude, I do new things now. And all of my things are centered around Christ and who he is in me right now. So if you're going to come back here, you, God has made me a new man. It is through and by his might and glory that I am who I am today. And I'm not letting you take it away from me. So once you grab hold of that plow, once you move forward, <laughs> it gets even diff more difficult. The principle behind grabbing hold to the plow is to show God's glory and prosperity. Not in the size of the, your bank account. Not in the car that you drive. But in the abundant life that is offered to you enjoy in the relationship with the person that he has put you with for the rest of your life. Enjoy in your children who will enjoy the success of your obedience to God. Enjoy of the new family that is in Christ that he has given you that you can rely on to move forward in your process of understanding him better. Amen. But wait, there's more. There is a cost to live in this life. We call this principle counting the cost. Ever went to the store and was short? How embarrassing is it when you got to put your soda back? Because you ain't going to let go of nothing important. Come on, you got to have toilet paper, right? <laughs> Every lady in here understands me. My wife don't like the cheap stuff either. She ain't playing that. You ain't putting that back. You ain't putting the deodorant back either. Right? The soda goes back. All the little extra stuff. But we have to realize that in following Christ, there is 
a cost. And it's more than just the relationships that you have formed. It's more than just the things that you used to think that was important to you and the way that he changes your mind and changes your perspective on those things. It is more than just a, a, that feel-good thing. You ever came up here and God just send those little shivers of electricity through your body, you fall out, and then you laying down on the floor and you open your eyes and the person that's standing over you looking at you is like, ooh, you experienced God. And then you get up, go out, and cut somebody out. That happens. I've seen it. I've done it. Right? And so, the cost of following Christ is greater than what most expect. So you think it's the slight changes. All right, I ain't going to be cussing no more. All right, I'll put the cigarettes down. All right, I ain't going to drink no more. But you know something, God? I, you know what? My daddy was, I had a bad attitude. My granddaddy had a bad attitude. I'm always going to have a bad attitude. My mama was unreliable. Her mama was unreliable. So I'm always going to be un unreliable. You know what? I was late. My brother was late. My sisters are late. Oh, we always late. So we always going to be late. Right? Wrong! When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Now, you have to learn to break those habits, and there's things that you have to do to do that. You know, you, we always, it's easy to come up here and say, Lord, I give it to you. And then walk out these doors and say, eh, let me take this back. You don't say it, but you do it. Right? So let's look at how uh, God put it together for us to understand um, counting the cost. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 30. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down, estimate the cost and see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay down the foundation and are not able to complete it, to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. <coughs> okay, so you come to church, you get saved, you last for a year, maybe two. You start building up on this foundation that was laid down for you. And you're going along good. But then you slip. Right? Now, he's talking about building a tower. Let's say you wanted to build a mansion. You ain't got enough money to build no mansion, even if you build it here in the hood. Right? You only pay $2 for the property, but you ain't got enough room to put something that big up. Right? <laughs> or you think it's only going to cost you $100,000 to do it, when in actuality, they say you want to add 30% to the cost of building because the prices of everything goes up. So you sit down and you... You figure that out. But when you give your life over to Christ and you say, all right, there are certain ways that you personally expect to act. What your vision of Christian living looks like. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch certain things. Okay, so I'm not going to be able to uh, 
uh, uh, uh, say certain things. Okay, so I'm not going to be able to hang out in a bar. Well, some people think it's okay to hang out in the bars because, you know, that's... But I'm not going to be able to do these things anymore. But if, if he says, okay, so these large crowds that was following... Um, and, and, and watching what was going on. They were just crowds of people. It's like, we could fill this sanctuary up with people that will come in and be entertained, but how many wants to be discipled? All right? And this is my question. Why is it on Wednesday night more attended than we are at any other time of the week? Why? During noon, noon prayer, I understand, because a lot of us have jobs and things like that, but why is that, like, pretty low attended as well? Why is it that on Sunday morning... We have less people in the sanctuary than we have sitting down getting free food in our kitchen that is a ministry that is supposed to be unto God. Why do these things happen? Because there is a lack of understanding of what position God should have in our living. Because if I work 60 hours a week, doggone it, I had better be able to make time for God or those 60 hours a week ain't going to mean nothing because I ain't going to know how to manage whatever it is that I think that I'm gaining from working those 60 hours a week. Because now I'm not living for God, I'm living for me. If all of my conversations is about everything but God, how am I going to know more about God? There's no way that these things can happen. So there must be a change. Jesus, people think Jesus was hard on this. I think it was something that was very well needed. My wife know how to talk to me to where I can hear. My kids even know how to talk to me where I can hear. All you got the kids that will come and sit in your lap. Yeah, I remember those days. But you got that other kid that know all I got to do is stand there and say, Ma, 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 Ma. Never works for my wife, but it works good for me once they get me out the TV. So my question then for us is, what's it going to take for us to understand? There is nothing that is more important than who he is to us. And understanding his character. And to gain his vision for what it is that he set out for this world. And the thing is, those people that are waiting for you to fall back, you are their excuse. You know, my biggest fear is to get someone to turn their back on God from what it was that they saw in me. Am I making a mistake in assuming that there are people watching and looking for a reason not to follow him? Am I making a mistake in understanding that each and every single one of us that say we are a Christian first, everybody got their little notepad out. You didn't do that backflip back. It took us, off of our, took us off of our game. You missed that shot. It cost us the game. Yep, but there's another one to play. This is hard. <laughs> Luke. 14, 34, and 35. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit for neither the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Can I give us a different perspective of uh, what I've always learned about the, the saltiness of people? Anybody in here use Lowry's? Right? Lowry's seasoned salt. Worst thing in the world for you, but without it, ugh. For me, right? Renee can take salt and pepper and do amazing things with it. Boy, I need my seasoned salt. I need my garlic salt or garlic powder. I need my sage. I need, I need all kinds of seasons. I can't get away with salt and pepper. 
Right? Renee can. Renee could put salt and pepper and butter on a steak and doggone it. Woo! I take salt and pepper and butter and put it on the steak and say, why, what did I do wrong? But when it comes to Christian living, when it comes to the saltiness of and the flavor of who we are, right? You start out good and you mess up, then you ain't no good to nobody no more. You can't even, they won't even throw you out in the backyard to hope that grass will grow around you. You ain't no more good to nobody. You ain't no good to the world. You ain't no good to Christ. And the reason why is because you done gave up on yourself. Your hope is gone and lost. You know, the word says that it is more difficult to bring a backslider back into uh, the body of Christ than it is for a person that never knew him to come into the body. Why? Because the damage that is done from us one to another is greater than any damage that the world could do to us. Why? Because it's something that is expected for the world to do, but not something for a brother or a sister to do. Who can hurt you the worst? Your family. But when the word here says if it loses its saltiness, what causes it to lose its saltiness? I don't understand. You know, every uh, Christian organization that I've been a part of always has some kind of building program, some kind of study for you to understand, have a greater understanding of who he is. And what your place is into him. You know how many opportunities there are just in this body for you to grow in Christ through ministry. That is the way to grow. Through discipleship and ministry is the way to grow in ministry. And we got people that come in, jump on board right away, get to going strong, and then burn themselves out. <laughs> and then we have people that come on, pace themselves, and at some point move forward in leadership. And so not only is it, that's when they get to adding, you know, the garlic powder and, and the sage and all of that. All of that stuff is extra. But when it comes down to it, we still got to strip ourselves down to the very basic. And oh my goodness, I use all of that stuff for my steak to take good, taste good. But my wife can only use the simple uh, basic ingredients to make it taste even better. So instead of looking for all of the stuff, let's look for the basics. Amen? God is good. Amen? Can I go back to the Old Testament and Nehemiah? 2, 4 through 6. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed, God of heaven. Um, then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king... If your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Kingdom living develops favor. Today I'm known as an encourager. I love building people up. I love seeing the good in people. And back in the day, <laughs> I ain't know how to do that. I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't know how to do that. I found everything wrong with everybody else just so that I wouldn't have to focus on me. And I wasn't in a position to really 
allow God to do the work in me that was necessary for me to see that it's not about me. And so I'm not, go into Ephesians chapter 6, verses nine, uh, 5 through 7, or 5 through 9. This is going to be a little bit. Um, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and do it with the sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor uh, when they tie, sorry, when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for, uh, sorry, each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no favoritism with him. Man, that's a hard, that's a hard one, right? Right? See, we, we, we live in America, and we have, as a society, decided, you know what? Slavery is a bad thing. And it is. But what are we slaves to? Some of us are sl- still slaves to our sin. Amen? No, it's going to get quiet on me when I get to this part. All right? Some of us are still slaves to sin. Now, as a person that is in bondage, that is stuck, you know, uh, I heard it said very recently that, you know, slavery is a choice. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Um, slavery cannot be a choice because you really aren't able or capable or in a position to be able to make a decision for yourself. Because you are owned by your master. Now, instead of my job working me, I work my job now. I used to let my job work me. I used to let that place dictate where my hours went on a daily basis, which it does to a certain extent, but we've put limits on it now. So I am no longer a slave to that job. But when I go to that job, I put the best face I possibly can on that job. I give respect to the people that are in, in authority over me. I do my job to the best of my ability at all times when I am there. I treat my co-workers as respectful as they will allow me to treat them because I am far from being a doormat, but I do treat them with as much respect as they will allow me to treat them with. And there are things that I do that would put on the face of Christ for them just so that they would not have that reason to blame God on everything else that they blame God on. Now, the word here says that we should do these things even when their eye is not on us. You know why? Anybody in here want to throw that one out there? I'll throw it out there for you. You know the things that you think that you're getting away with, you actually never, ever, ever get away with? Because you'll start out doing it in secret. And as a person with an addictive personality that, you know, had to recover and, uh, from, uh, from uh, the, the, pay, the slavery of addiction, if I would say, all right, I can only get high on the weekends, how long would it spill over to from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to, well, the weekend really starts on Thursday? Right? So, don't nobody know that I'm doing this, though. 
Let's take something that's just a little bit less obvious. So I just told this little bitty lie. Anybody know about the snowball of the lie? What happens? You didn't tell somebody, you know what? I was at church Sunday. You was? What did the preacher talk about? You know what? It must have not been that serious because I really can't remember. <laughs> it happens to me too. That's why I take notes. Oh, yeah? Who else was there? Who'd you talk to? Oh, man. You know what? Pastor Ben was there. I was sitting there. Me and him was talking about how how nice the weather was and, you know, some of the issues that he might have been having with his car. And, you know, Pastor Don is going out there and she's taking all these cool pictures of birds and stuff like that. I know that's got to be fun for him. But Pastor Ben, you know, he got a job, too. He got to work. But you think... You would lead them to believe that you're doing that. But that snowball effect makes it bigger, makes it longer, makes it stronger, make you have to move on forward, and, and, and it just messes you up. And what, what can we say about the masters? You know what? You ain't no better than I am because you are just as much a slave tied in to accomplishing your task as I am. The only freedom that we can have is in Christ because in him we could be whatever he may want us to be. I could start off as a slave, but I could move forward in being a master and a better master than you ever were. And the reason why is because it's not, that's not where my identity is. My identity is in my Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. <laughs> Let me give you a good example of that in Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of the of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success and everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted it uh, to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household um, because of Joseph, the blessings of the Lord and everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Don't ask me why. It says, well, Joseph was well-built and handsome. I know why, but that's an altogether different sermon. Here's the deal. Um, he went from slave to master and still held the title of slave. Don't make sense to y'all. Makes all the sense in the world to me. He went from field worker to house worker. Big difference in the way that you treat it and in the respect that you have. Now, when God brings favor and blessing in your life and it's not through you, don't be hating. Don't be hating because you gave me a suggestion that I prosper from... <laughs> From something that you failed at doing. That's why you failed at doing it. So that that experience would give me the experience that I need to prosper because the Lord has plans. Can you imagine what Joseph feel like for those of us that know his story when his brothers threw him down in a hole. He ended up in a foreign country and instead of being the prince and the king that he thought he was going to be, he was took and put in chains and put on the auction block and sold off and in a position to where he could make no decisions about what was going on with his life. But God showed him at a very early age that he was going to be a king. 
How many of us in here have received from God a vision of who we or our children was going to be and has already given up on it? Ouch. Pastor, you didn't have to go there. Yes, the heck I do. Pastor Steve just said it this morning. He confirmed it in my spirit. Some things need to be said that we don't say. Some things need to be said. Don't be giving up on what God showed you that you could be because what everybody else is telling you or because of the circumstances that you're in in this moment. We could be in a situation in this moment that's setting us up to move us forward into the greater glory and it might not be pleasant. It might not feel good. But you know what? I am one that today I am learning to learn from my mistakes. Right? I did that. Yep, it was messed up. I ain't going to do that no more. You know the greatest favor God ever did for us? We're celebrating it today. Have to mention it because it's that day. Amen? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, we were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know what? God does not have to do the things that he do for us. Never had to. This plan has been in place before time began. For you to be sitting in that chair today to make a decision whether you really want to live for Christ or you want to die in your sin. This decision has been made from before the foundations of the earth was even laid. Now, Knowing how weak we was going to be, knowing that there was going to be failure on our part, knowing how difficult it was going to be, even in this time, even in this day of technology and distraction and all of this other stuff that's going on, God had a plan. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, back in the day, we called it the Holy Ghost. The, the reason why they went with the Holy Spirit because they said, go sound to me. Let me tell you something. It sounds so much better to me than being, to be in control by the Holy Ghost than to be in control by those world. See, because what has this world brought us? Death, destruction, right? How many people got people today that still put them down, amen? No matter what you do, no matter how much you've changed, they still see you in the light that you were. But then when the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit came over you, your whole continence changed. You know, that was that born again thing. And the Alcoholics Anonymous, they call it a great spiritual experience. And, and NA and CA, they call it this great uh, uh, spiritual experience that uh, Bill had uh, that, that, and, and, and Dr. Bob had. But we call it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that drives us and gives us a desire to promote our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in supernatural ways, with supernatural and dunamis power, being in control of all things around us. How many people just long for that day that the manifest spirit would be right here in this house? How many of us in this room desire for that to happen? You know something? Uh, from all, of all, from almost 20 years now, I've been on my face right here in this spot. Yep, my spot is coming back. 
praying for God to let his manifest glory fill this building and draw others to him. Even if I'm not a part of it, just let me see it, Lord. Just let me see it, Lord. I'm going to close this up really hard on y'all. All right? Don't get offended. <laughs> Kingdom living is in our giving. What? Kingdom living is in our giving. I only set this one verse in two different views from two different people in the gospel. I got uh, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gift into the temple tre treasury. He also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small top copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything, all she had to live on. <sighs> Most of us look at that as what the monetary significance of how we give is. I kind of look at it as the spirit, spiritual significance of how we add to the body that God has called us to. Right? I'm not downplaying the importance of your monetary giving. Lord knows we need it. I think uh, if you look in our bulletin, we're like over 12,000 down. Right? I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're right in spirit, you'll be right in pocket. Once heard it said, if you want to find out where a man's heart truly is, look at their checkbook. What you spend the most on is where your heart is. Because the purse strings is what controls it. But let's just look at this from that spiritual standpoint that I'm telling you about. Many of us sit in here and we don't feel that we are worth God's time. We don't feel like, you know, we always send that prayer up, Lord, if it is your will. Of course it's his will. If you're praying according to his word, according to what it is with the purpose of promoting his kingdom, then of course it's his will for this to happen. Lord, if you can have just a moment. I know you're busy, Lord. I know you got, you know, tidal waves to stop from knocking houses down and little villages somewhere. Lord, I know it's somebody out there that's suffering from cancer or something. Lord, I know you have to repair the heart of some child that is, that whose innocence has been stolen, stolen from them. Lord, if only you got these few minutes that you could give me to let me know that you love me. Lord, if only, if only, if only, if only, listen, he called you. If you're sitting in here, you were called out by the Lord. Yeah. 
So it ain't no if only, Lord, I declare by your mighty name that this disease be taken away from me because it is not your will for me to walk around here sick and hurting and dying. Lord, I declare right now your authority over this child that has been giving me these problems from birth. Lord, I declare your victory over everything the enemy has thrown at me for all of this time, for all of these years, because you are God of my life right now, and I ain't letting it beat me up no more. See, we have to declare God's victory in our life sometime, amen? We have to understand that it's not how much you put in, it is how much you are willing to give. See, if you only want to give God a piece of you, that's all you're going to get is a piece. If I just told my wife I loved her once a week, she'd be good with it, but I wouldn't. Stand up on your feet for a second. Each and every service that we have in here, I want to give the people on the outside Right? Some, I know some, some people are feeling like outsiders right now. If you are not sure of your relationship with Christ, if you're not sure that you have given him your life, I want you to take the opportunity right now to come up front. And those that want to commit or recommit their life to Christ, I want you on this side of the altar right here. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to spend some time with you. If you say, Lord, I, I'm not sure if I go out here and hit by a truck... I'm going to make it to heaven. <laughs> if you say, you know, I never said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. If you say, Lord, I gave myself to you, and, you know, I just ain't been living it, and I just need to make things right. Come over here and stand in this corner over here. I'm going to come over here with you. We're going to pray with you and make sure that you feel right before you leave here. And then some of us in here say, Pastor Earl, you're a little bit hard today. You're saying that I ain't living right. I ain't saying that you ain't living right. All I did was presented the word and gave you a few examples of the way that God has changed the way that I think and what my thought process is. If you feel like God needs to do a little bit more work in you for you to be able to move in the authority that has already been given you, then I want you to come up here and I want you to be on this side. Because you just need a little bit of repair. A little bit of confidence. <laughs> if you're just in here and you know what I'm believing that for God for a miracle you know there are tongues of fire that came down because only 120 people in the world said Lord we choose you and we believe your promise that you said that you was going to send your spirit back only 120 people it only took two, 12 men to change the world. To promote our Lord and Savior to the point that now we are the strongest, the biggest followers of any other kind of religion in this world. But we need to grow more. We need to be stronger in who we are. And if you're concerned and you want to grow in that area, you want, you want to be brought up in the leadership because we need some leaders off up in here. If you, I want you in the middle because all, all that we got to do is bless you to go off into whatever it is that God is calling you to do, to give you vision and to give you insight on what it is that he wants you to do. So if any of these things 
that I have mentioned is not on your list for prayer, I want you to come up here anyway because we all need prayer. Amen? So I'm going to send a blessing out real quick. And those of you that want, a bit, want prayer, I want you to start working your way up here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Add it to the kingdom. Add it to the kingdom. For his glory. God, we thank you for your peace, for your love, for your joy, for a greater understanding of who we are in you. I pray right now, Lord God, blessings over this assembly. That, Lord God, may you love and keep us until we see you again. May you give us glory and peace in who we are and our relationship with you. Allow us, Lord God, through the love that we have for you, to show that love to others, to allow them to advance in your kingdom for your glory. Allow us, Lord God, as an assembly to grow, Lord God, and to prosper in ways, Lord God, that will bring about change, that will allow the world to know that you are alive today and you still do miracles. Bless each and every household that is represented in this house today. Bless us, Lord God, with great physical health. Bless us, Lord God, with great spiritual growth. Bless us, Lord God, with prosperity. That your glory be revealed in every conversation that we have and every task that's set before us. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen and amen. If you need to leave right now, please slip out quietly as we will be doing work up at the altars. All my altar workers, come on up. I'll be in this corner. Somebody take this corner. I'll work my way across. Amen.